All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Let's jump right in. You're going to be familiar with this. We're talking about Mary and Martha or Martha and Mary. And here we go. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, some of you asked that question last week while we were up in Esther's part. Man, I'm doing more work than the other. What? And let's keep going. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, while the master is at your table, you might ought to pay attention to him. And he will probably tell you if he has a need, but most masters don't have a need. But uh, just as we jump in, let's just take a look at this. I want to tell you the title of this message is Learn to Simplify Your Life. All of us, all of us tend to think that we need a more complex life, right? I mean, as I prepare for the, the spring calendar and the summer calendar, I've been writing for uh, my kids and what our devotionals are going to be throughout the summer, where I feel like we need to really emphasize uh, uh, in our lives. And, and I really need to emphasize the scriptures, the importance of the scripture in my kids' lives. And so uh, I've been working on those devotionals, also been looking at what our summer preaching schedule is going to look like. Been looking at the camp schedule. We have an elders retreat this summer. We've got we've got a lot of things that are starting to unpack and right before us, uh, and and also the children's camp. And so as I I start looking at this, I start saying, man, things are already getting complex, and we're not even there yet. Sometimes that's how it is, right? And and we just it seems like there's one thing after the other after the other, and then there's the surprise of being a pastor where sometimes you get called out and you've got to go you know, which interrupts the schedule, what you thought was going to happen. And I know for you guys, your worlds are just as busy, if not more so. So as we jump in, we can get caught up in the world that we never intended to be in. So we need to play, we need to, to, to have a way, we need to look at the ways that God has given us in order to slow down and not miss him. While we were in, in Colorado last week, one of the things that the director said, he said, man, if you work so hard that you don't see this mountain, you better slow down because God has put you in the point of beauty. There's a 14,000 something mountain peak right here next to us. And if you don't see that every morning or every day, then you're going too hard. Slow down because this is also a time for you to be near to your God. And so we have to fi figure out what Jesus is talking about. Martha had a great heart. Martha opened her home. She's the one that opened her home up here. But Mary, on the other hand, Mary recognized that this is my Lord. He's just here for a time. And you remember what the scripture says, don't miss the time of your visitation. And so she sat at his feet. Lord, Master, here you are. You're in this house and I'm here with you. See, and most of us live life at breakneck speed. We start off young, right? Uh, we started our kids with the baby Einstein videos. Any of you have seen those? Because we just knew that we were going, our children were going to be far smarter and superior than everybody else's children, right? And it's proven to be so. Let's keep going. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, they better by reading by the, they better be reading by the age of three or else they'll fall behind. We better get cable. We better have dish. We better have direct TV. They might miss something. We better get them a leapfrog, an iPod, an iPod, an Xbox. They might fall behind. There's no doubt that 
I wanted my son to be throwing when he was very, very little. As a matter of fact, I wanted him to be left-handed. And I wanted him to be a left-handed pitcher. pitcher. And so, uh, and the cool thing is, when he threw, he threw a football a lot better than he ever threw a baseball. But when he would throw, he would throw left-handed. So I was like, yeah, he's going to do it. And then at about six after T-ball, he's like, I don't like it. We need to make sure that we get all the synaptic connections connecting, right? As young as possible, because that just seems like that's so important. And we want the very best for our children. We want the very best for the next generation. So we want the next generation to be better than our generation. And we want to see advancement in our culture. But while we're doing all these things, preparing our children for success, listen, the most recent statistics are, are showing us that this is not the case in our children's life. As a matter of fact, as, as children become more broad in their scope of learning, as children have more synapses firing, what they're finding out is children become more confused adults as they grow older. So you want to know why you're confused? You got too many synaptic connections. There you are. Okay, let's pray. Just kidding, man. So there's no doubt, there's no doubt that we want the very best and sometimes we, we try to implement the very best at, at any cost and all costs. John Bauer wrote a book that I read through last, uh, a couple of years ago and, and he called it the myth of the first three years. And in this book, he states, it's not about having more synaptic connections. It's about capitalizing on the strongest connections. In fact, many billions of connections will be shut down naturally so that you are free to exploit those connections, those synaptic connections that are still remaining. Now, here's the truth. Biologically, losing connections is, is the point. It's really not gaining connections, which went against a lot of scientific research when he wrote this book. Now, that may not interest you, but it interests me because I'm always thinking, what is the need for our children? You know, isn't it amazing that God kept a symbol? What did he say that we needed to give to our children? Time. Time. Give children our time. And how did we give children our time? If you go back to Old Testament, he said, write the word of God where? On their hearts and on their foreheads. He said, I'll keep it real simple. We'll have one synaptic connection and that connection will connect them with me. And that's vitally the most important thing that we can do, men. It's the most important thing that we can do for ourselves. It's the most important thing that we can do for the next generation. Mathematicians, or in 1949, Air Force Captain Edward Murphy now, that should ring a bell to you. Edward Murphy stated, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. What's that known as? Murphy's Law. You got it. Man, golly, I don't even know the word of God, but you know that. Just kidding, man. Stay with me. I'm not picking on anybody. Mathematicians took it one step further. They have found that these four things come into play with Murphy's Law. Urgency, complexity, importance, and skill. Now, when I give you those four things, those are very important things, because what they're saying is if you have one or two of these things in addition to the two others, then it brings confusion because you're firing too many synaptic points at a time. So he says they say urgency, and if you think about urgency, it makes all kinds of sense. Let's talk about you have complex, complexity and urgency. Let's just say that someone is shooting at you, and you're trying to get in this door, and you're trying to remember the code. So there's an urgency and there's a complexity because you have to dial it in, right? And so now, all of a sudden, one synaptic connection remains. What is it? Prayer. <laughs> Lord God. Yes, right. I can't remember the code because there's urgency. That's, that's just called, we call it stress. 
We call it complexity. It's something that we have to pay attention to. Lou Holtz, many of you know who Lou Holtz was, a famous football coach for Notre Dame. This is what he stated. He, he said, uh, we were one and two, and we were running 47 plays on offense. And then he says, I cut that to 13, and we won four in a row. In other words, he did what? He simplified. He simplified his playbook. Dave Thomas, you know who that is? Founder of Wendy's. I don't like Wendy's personally. They have pretty good salads, all right? But other than that, I'm not crazy about Wendy's. But here's what he said. One of the things that made Wendy's better was putting a limit on the number of ideas that we would implement. It just made it better. In other words, this is our menu, and we're going to stick to our menu, and we're not going to add to our menu. This is who we are. This is what we do, and we're going to do it better. And so through that, Dave Thomas has a very successful business or operated a very successful business. It's amazing to me that we don't need to teach on how to become complicated. We must be taught on how to return back to a place of simplicity in our lives. And by the way, as I raise children, what I realize the culture is trying to do is to cause their lives to become more and more complicated. It's the truth. I mean, goodness, I, I even, you know, I just look at everything that we have. Gymnastics, tennis, gymnastics, school, karate, dance, ballet. Uh, my gosh. And I'm so sick of doing ballet. I, older I get, it gets harder to do. First Thessalonians 4.11. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. This is the Apostle Paul, and he is a very complicated student. This man's a Pharisee. This man has studied all of his life. This man is extremely complicated. And one day God blinded him and said, you're about to forget all of that and you're about to know me because that's the most important thing you can do in this life. And that's what he did. And then the apostle Paul, as complicated as he was, he writes to this church at Thessalonica. And it's interesting to me when he writes to this church at Thessalonica because this church was becoming very, very complicated. And so what he did is he said, I don't want you to be this complicated. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you to lead a quiet life. He says, make it your ambition. If you have any ambition at all, here's your ambition. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Now, this is interesting because he says, so that you will behave properly. You know what happens when we become overcomplicated? The pressure of life, the stresses of life. What? How does that cause us to behave? Start acting out. That's exactly right, Wade. So, so the pressure's got to go some way. So usually it comes out sideways, right? And so we start acting out sideways and that's due to an over complicated life. It can happen. When Jesus came to this earth, life was hectic for the Jews. They had religious scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. They basically told the, pe the people, unless they upheld all 200 plus laws added to the 10 commandments that these man made laws that they weren't going to make the kingdom. They were also subject to the Romans, and they could be made slaves at any time per the Romans' request. There were two major voices calling out to them, or you could say they had to satisfy two different camps. They had to satisfy the religious camp, 
which is unfortunate because the religious camp should have been setting them free. Galatians 5 tells us what is for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to be yoked to a yoke of slavery. And so, but this religious camp of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and religious scribes, it actually enslaved them. You must do more to satisfy an angry God. Give more, work more, be more, and maybe, just maybe, you'll be accepted. And then you had the cultural camp. The cultural camp would have been the Roman camp. And so they were subject, no matter what they did, where they went, how they lived, they were subject men to these Romans at any time. And you must do more to satisfy the expectations of the people, of the culture. Give more, work more, be more, and maybe, just maybe, you'll be accepted within this culture. You'll be left alone within this culture. They look pretty similar to us today. See, we really shouldn't fit fit in any two of these categories. We have the culture that says you have to go faster. You have to go further. You have to know more. You have to do all these things in order to excel and exceed in this life. And unfortunately, we tend to buy into that. And there are some that can do that. There are some that have a lot of synapses and they can keep them firing all at the same time. It's amazing. Some people truly are amazing. But that's the elite of the elite. All right. And and if you're not that, it's okay because I'm not that either. I realize I usually excel at one or two things. And that's about it. You know, outside of that, I mean, y'all saw me try to lead worship this week. Good Lord. It's the reason I've set that guitar down for 10 years, right? So it's just the way it happens. It's the way it is. We're just supposed to fire on, on these synapses that God gives us. But the first one is to recognize that Jesus wants his time with us. The world is too complicated. All these, the religious camp is too complicated. Religion just continues to put more and more restrictions on you and how you are to live. When actually, when we're walking with our Father, He'll, He'll express that to us. He'll show it to us. You see, um, there's also a third camp. And this third camp is where we need to find ourselves. It's the relationship camp. It's simple. It has three requirements in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It's basically what? It's the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's also our mission statement here in the church. I mean, it, we use Mark's account in Mark chapter 12, but, but you can see it here, to love God, to love people, to love yourself. If we can keep it that simple, guys, we'll do really, really well in this life. And so you have Mary and Martha, and, and uh, Martha says, hey, Jesus, I want you to come over. And Mary says, oh, my goodness, it's my Jesus. I'm going to sit with him while he's here. I'm not going to miss this. See, when Jesus intervened with the Jews, this is what he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight: 28. Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So he's saying, look, if you can get this one synapse right, if you get this start to, to start clicking, here's the cool, cool thing. You're going to find rest for your souls. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. Here's three questions. Do you still dream? I didn't. Yeah, I did. I did have a dream right before I woke up. I don't know why he was doing that. But anyway, I find most of us are so exhausted that when we go to bed, we don't dream anymore. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel trapped with all your obligations, responsibilities, and self-inflicted requirements? You know what happens to me so so oftentimes is I go in there and I look at this list that is absolutely unobtainable. I know somebody within this week is going to get their feelings hurt because of me, because of an obligation that I can't make. 
because of an emergency that possibly could come up. Somebody's going to get hurt because of me this week. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. And, and what happens is sometimes I just want to just, just slump over in my chair and just say, I just can't do it. There's just so, so much. And we got litigation going. We got, you got all these things, all these emails you got to send, all these, all these people to reply to. And sometimes you just feel like there's no rest for your soul. I'm supposed to be a pastor for heaven's sake. And there's no rest for, for my soul. It, it can trap all of us. And we've got to pay attention to what God is calling us to do. And that is to sit with him. See, discipleship is always and should always be more relational than informational. It should always be more relational than informational. To be a disciple is to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is, to, is only as complicated as we make it. That's the truth. The Apostle Paul would walk into a pagan community, he'd preach Christ and appoint elders from among the new converts, and then he'd move on. He would occasionally send a letter to encourage their relationship with Jesus, himself, and others. So I would say this as we wrap it up this morning. How do we not get caught up into the more complicated and try to keep it as simple as possible? Well, the first thing that I would ask Jesus is to show me who I am and what I'm supposed to accomplish in this life. I think that's our greatest question, men. As believers in Jesus Christ, we should ask that question. Lord, show me who I am and what I'm called to do. Very important for us. I'm a pastor, and according to my scriptural job description, I'm to, I'm to equip the saints for service. That's the scriptural job description. And sometimes I have to go back and read that time and time again. It's Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, right? But what happens when man gets a hold of it? You know, uh, I've gone through and I've even, even written several job descriptions for pastoral staff. And as I, as sometimes when I get done with it, I go, only Jesus could fulfill this. Go visit the sick. Go feed the hungry. Go recognize the poor. Make sure that you're preaching and teaching each week. Uh, John Wesley had an expectation that you would preach two to three sermons before like nine o'clock in the morning. Then that's just, that's the truth. You started at four o'clock every morning. Um, and if we're not careful, what happens is we make this long, long laundry list. You sit down with an SPRC, with a staff relations parish committee, and say, develop a job description for your next pastor and watch what you get. You'll have two pages, and at the end of that, you better just have a signature for Jesus. That's the way it is. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, my, my, my job is not difficult according to the Scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 4. But according to man... If we're not careful, and it's the same thing with you, because if you have a welding shop, then you, you've got all these people that want their project done and they want it done now and they want it done right. And you got people that are bringing stuff back and saying, you didn't grind this well enough, or you didn't paint this, or you missed this part here, or I wanted something strapped across here. And at the same time, you're still having to take these bids and you're still having to, to, to bring in more work and, and you've got more work showing up on your doorstep and they're saying, I need this tomorrow. It's not any different. The tyranny of the urgent is still there for all of us guys. And if you're, if you're a hand at anything, it means you're more in demand. That's the way it works. The better hand, the more in demand. And so, so a lot of people, this is why you've got to know who you're called to and what you're called to do. So Mary and Martha, Mary just said, Jesus is here. I'm sitting with him while he's here. I'm not going to miss the time of my visitation. Mary, on the other hand, she, she probably, or Martha, on the other hand, was probably a lot like me. 
She's like, I'm going to prepare everything and have it just right because my master is coming in this store. My master is here. I want everything to be just right. And what Jesus is saying, no, I just want you to sit with me because I want to take that yoke off of you. I want to show you who you are and what you're called to. Then learn to develop your strengths and spiritual gifts. Learn. So here's what I would say. Why did I start off with synapses? The reason I started off with there, because what they're find, figuring out is what a person's really good at. If they'll focus on that strength, more than likely they're going to be successful. It's, it's amazing that it works in the biological and the physical. This just amazes me. God knew what he was designing from the start. So the tyranny of the urgent and all these other things that come creeping into our lives, this is, this is cool. Learn to, to spend time in your spring, in your strengths. I think the reason why temptation and sin continues to creep in man's lives, one of the reasons is because we're so scattered that our strength is not strong enough. We've not focused on where we're really good or where we could potentially be great in, what we could potentially be great in. Your strengths, not someone else. Do the most with what you have and be thankful for what you have capitalize on your strongest synaptic connections and quit attempting to get new ones to fire. You, <laughs> I remember putting this in yesterday and I, because I heard this stated years ago before I was ever a part of Harvest or anything else. But I remember a woman actually came to Paul Seifert at our church. I was pastoring a church in, in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, Lubbock. I was on 82nd Street there and we were having a revival. And I had Pastor Paul Seipert there, and he was actually just teaching one of the classes. And uh, a woman went to him. She said, I have asked to be on the worship team here for three years, and they keep, they keep declining me. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny because Paul, he's not a member of our church. He doesn't know anybody in our church. But this is what he told the lady. He said, listen, ma'am, you can't put in what God left out. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So I put it under, under number two here, all right? Because develop your strengths and spiritual gifts and your weaknesses, watch, eventually those synapses are going to quit firing anyway. And that's okay. It's okay. The third thing I would say and the final thing is learn to prioritize. It's so important that we prioritize men, uh, that we become men of prioritization. All right? And when you do this, make it a point to cut something out. What can I do or not do to minimize my schedule? Now, I'm not telling you to get out there and be lazy. I'm not telling you to take the federal government, government's 50000 right now. Absolutely not. Or whatever they're paying. Are they paying that? Anyway, uh, it's my understanding that Texas is ending it today anyway. But let's keep going. It's, I'm not telling you to minimize your schedule to be lazy. I'm telling you to minimize your schedule to be on point and get your strength stronger. That's what I'm telling you to do. Ask yourself a question. Who am I doing this for and why? Remember, it's not how many hours you're at work. It's how much work you get done in those hours. We all work for the Lord. A good boss will recognize your effectiveness and your efficiency, and he'll reward you for it. Now, as I mentioned those two words, let me just say the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficient Efficiency is doing things right. John Maxwell puts this in his book. Efficiency is doing things right. So Martha's hang up, right? In some ways, this was Martha's hang up because she wanted to do everything right. And we believe, I mean, one of our values here is excellence. There's no doubt we want to do things right, but you can't let that get in the way of your Lord. It deals with things, usually time, place, money, and energy. That's really efficiency, but effectiveness is doing the right things at the right time. That's the difference. Being effective is doing the right things at the right time. It deals with people. 
Jesus was very efficient. He was very effective. He was efficient because he was, he was willing to withdraw himself, he, himself and listen to his heavenly father and spend time with his heavenly father because that was his greatest synaptic connection. And yet he was very effective because then Jesus would come off the mountaintop and he would do what? He'd minister to the people. He was effective in that. We learn this way. Bottom line is oftentimes less is more and, and, and less is better. That's the way it is. Or you could say less is more and more is better if more is in your strength. Learn to develop your strength from good to great. That's a great word for us this morning. I hope you know how, how dangerous it can be for me to preach this because I'm telling you to do less in some areas. That some synaptic connections just need to die off. Those pathways don't need to gain strength. Be strong in who God called you to be and what he called you to be here in this time on this earth for. If we'll do that, you watch how your, your life will continue to grow, it will continue to prosper, and it will continue to be efficient and effective for His kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You, Lord, that You call us to lead a quiet life, to make it our ambition, Lord, to lead a quiet life. So Lord, I pray for each of these men this morning as we get ready to go out and all the worries and all the cares and all the pressures of the world, Father, begin to, to creep in, Father. I pray that we can hear Your voice that says, come to me, just come to me. And, and as we do that, Father, your word tells us that you will lighten our load. And so, Father, that's what we look for today so that we can be healthy so that things don't come out sideways. And Lord, for those who are watching this morning, Father, I pray they are blessed from this message and they hear this message as well. And they reflect upon their jobs and their details and their duties for the, for the day. And Lord, that they don't let those things get in the way of your purpose. Father, we're here for you in Jesus' name. Amen.